episode number eight with artist Turquoise Dyson. Welcome to the Institute of Black Imagination. I'm your host, Dario Calmis, an artist, writer, brand consultant, and generally curious fellow. And each week we bring you a conversation from the pool of black genius to inspire, engage, and help you unleash your own imagination. Today's episode is with painter, sculptor, and multi-hyphenate artist, Turquoise Dyson. Born in Chicago, Illinois, into a family embedded with scholars and artists of many forms, Turquoise found her artistic path while studying sociology at Tougaloo College, later receiving her Bachelor's of Fine Arts at Virginia Commonwealth University and her Master's at the Yale School of Art. Her work is about the reimagining of Black compositional thought while exploring shape and form as it relates to Black bodies in space. In Turquoise's own words, the works are deconstructions of natural and built environments that consider how individuals negotiate and negate various types of systems and spatial order. This multidisciplinary approach was on full display during her show, Nautical Dust, which debuted at the Colby Museum of Art in the fall of 2018. Her sculptures, paintings, and geometric forms depicted the life of Samuel Osborne, a janitor at Colby College at the turn of the 20th century, who was born into slavery. Using Osborne's text obituaries written by white authors, this exhibition raised questions concerning creation, conveyance, and autonomy. In 2019, she was awarded the prestigious Studio Museum Wine Prize, and in 2020, she was added to the roster of the influential Pace Gallery. Turquoise continues to explore the language of structural constructs, Black activism, and what it means to be and live in Blackness. During our conversation, we discussed the role language plays in her practice, how art allowed her to express her innermost being, why one must always be prepared, and what Black genius means to her. Recorded during lockdown, this eloquent conversation is one for the books. It is with great pleasure to introduce to you an artist of many forms, Turquoise Dyson. Welcome to the Institute of Black Imagination. Like, this is amazing. Um, so wonderful to have you here, Turquoise Dyson, um, painter, sculptor, performance artist, really multi-hyphenate, really just exploring shape um, and form as it relates to the black body via multi-mediums, including the medium of time, which I think is really, really brilliant. Um, but I did want to start asking about your creative practice. You were mentioning that you already went to the studio today and you just got back. So what is, when, when, when did that begin for you? Like when in your life did you know that you needed to make, you would, needed to create? No, that's a good question. It was, <clears throat> I had gone to undergrad at Tougaloo College in Tougaloo, Mississippi. So it was my, I majored in sociology, social work. And that was in my last semester, fourth year. And it just didn't, it, it, nothing was clicking. So everybody in my community, my parents, my godmothers, uh, they were like, well, why don't you stay another year? And because um, you know, black HBCUs are that, those kind of spaces where they're really in tune 
with your development, your capabilities, and something just wasn't clicking. And um, <clears throat> I said, okay, well, let me take an art class. So I, my, my, my last semester, or maybe the first semester, the first or the last semester of my senior year, I took a sculpture class. I took a sculpture class and a drawing class. I've never done this before. I think it was my, the first semester of my senior year. And you know, this is a very small art department, very tiny. So we were just like making busts of armatures and like drawing chairs, basically. We didn't have any models, nothing like that. So I just got into it and it, I was just, I don't know why, it just consumed me. <laughs> I was like, you know, it really kind of took me away. So I got into it and you know, this was like, 96, lots of hip hop, you know, Bahamadia, you know, was, in, was coming out, Fuji's, it was just like so much creativity. And now I started just making paintings and, <laughs> you know, Johnny Mae Gilbert was my professor. She ended up giving me a key to the studio, the art department really. And I'd just be in there and just, I'd just figure stuff out. So that's when I, figured out that it was something that I had to do or needed to do or wanted to do. And what did you feel in that, that creative act that you felt was missing or was missing or that you discovered? I guess I felt like I had a style of language and communication, mm. right? So, um, Tougaloo, which is a former slave plantation, you know, the evidence of slavery, the trade, also the evidence of sort of radical black activism, being in Mississippi, all of that was there, you know, so I could absorb it, but I didn't have anything to turn that into. And I'm not, I'm not, um, and, and social work was didn't didn't work for me in terms of a system that I felt was inadequate at the time. Mm -hmm. In terms of serving black communities in Chicago, I'm sorry, in Mississippi, which is very it just seemed impossible. Um, and you know Robert Moses was down there doing his project, his algebra project. So I volunteered on that and painted murals with that. And so I was like, oh, this is some really interesting kind of ways of being, you know? So it um, made me feel like I could express my being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I thought about that word like, like expressions of being, especially with blackness, because it's not that I'm, I'm not concerned or writing about identity. Like I'm very clear about that, but I am concerned about being, becoming, and what it means to be, um, live in blackness in a really kind of way that has many, many ontological um, conditions that aren't mm -hmm. like, so I'm interested that art uh, helped me stretch that out 
you know, and unfixed, you know, liminal, you know, it revealed a poetic and unfixedness, a, a liminal space, you know, a, a non-space, a space in between, you know, to be there and, and understand that that was the generative space to be in the space of the poetic, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to understand Black history, Black presence, and Black futures that are always indelibly bound together. It's really about um, recognizing a kind of Black power of being and ongoingness, and art allowed me to be, to, to activate that, that understanding, so. I, I love this um, concept of, 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 of poetics, um, and, and I wanted to kind of pivot and speak about actual, actually, like language and text and words. Um, you know, a lot of your work has an incredible uh, design element to it, which we can speak about, you know, a little bit later. Um, but kind of broadly thinking about design as it pertains to language even, and like how these structures, these built structures or fixed structures or systems, and you work a lot with systems as well, like how they have defined blackness and, and also constrained our ideas of ourselves. Like how do you feel that text relates to your work and then also just to this concept of blackness? Well, I think I, I I forget who said say it, but who said it? But like um, the alphabet was the first technology, and mm -hmm. because I <clears throat> I have as a you know individual who's a human who sees first and then learn language, I think the um, experience of reading poetry and the way in which people other than myself line up the technology and have these structures in place, triggers something in me. It's like a key that opens something up. So, <clears throat> because I, you know, I speak a, a, a range of English, <laughs> you know? So the range of English, um, that I can comprehend is really fantastic to see people whose form is language, words, letters, sounds, and all of those things in between mm -hmm. in question, right? How to break open uh, language that, that helps me, right? So I don't think that I can, um, like I was reading something the other day it was um, Dion Brand's Ossuaries. And this, 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 it, it, one of her poems, she says, a festival of inches, right? I'm, <laughs> I said, what? Wait, did, did I just, you know? So anyway, I take that and it, it immediately gets me thinking about drawing, you know? and the drawings that are already in the world, right? It gets me thinking about somebody like John Biggers, right? It gets me thinking about, you know, somebody in terms of painting, maybe Mary Lovelace O'Neill. It gets me thinking, you know, about someone like Charles White when I, when I look at their drawing practice, right? So 
it um you know beverly buchanan you know so this idea of the festival of inches and in, in you know black creativity is something that makes sense to me interesting because in the beginning you also spoke about how your practice was developing during also this time of hip-hop right and like the fujis and things like that and so i would i would think that there was also some kind of fusion there as well as as, as a poetics and a language relates to uh, emotion and and also uh maybe points of entry, right? Those spaces between that you spoke of. One person also that I've really listened to a lot is MF Doom. And it's, um, his work and his videos back then were, the, the way in which he used language to, to put together a scene or a doubt, it's really incredible. You know, so yeah, I listen to music quite often, and um, I don't I don't um, listen to music as much anymore um, in, during my studio unless um, I don't know I'm, I'm, I need to I need a I need a little fuel mm-hmm. um, or it's late you know and I have to keep going for some reason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when I'm left to my devices it's it's, it's pretty quiet in there. Um, or I may have someone talking or something in the background um, because I do get in a way when I hear a phrase and I'll stop. I'll stop what I'm doing and then like do something else because so I know my sensitivity towards, you know, black genius, it'll, <laughs> it'll, I will, I will, you know, put down that brush and I don't know, skip or something or just sit down and just, you know, so I know that I need to um, where and when I need to do it now, not, you know, so yeah, music is a big part of it. I can listen to all kinds of, you know, instrumentals, then I'll have, it'll, they allow me to have my own thoughts. Um, but um, yeah. What is Black Genius to you? Black genius is taking what it means to inherit um, the conditions of these experiences, specifically inherit the conditions of the Middle Passage, colonialism, shadow slavery, you know, emancipation, lynching. Like, what does it mean to inherit those things? you know, um, fight them, resist them, plan around them, and find a space to articulate the breadth of it, right? The breadth of it in a way that, you know, speaks and honors the understanding of ancestry and the understanding of those systems that made um, the Middle Passage and is you know chattel institutional slavery possible so i know that um this idea of black genius is that i refer to a lot of hard work a lot of technique a lot of persistence a lot of staying the course 
you know, a lot of experimentation, a lot of risk, a lot of saying, I don't need your religion. I don't need, you know, your permission. I don't need you as subject. You know, I am, and, and you know, I am, you know, subject. So that's artists who can, you know, make work in that with the wherewithal to keep that, that subject close, you know, and um, practice, you know, like understanding how to, <laughs> understanding how to do something because you do it over and over and over again. And um, really having the brain power to um, calculate, perceive, understand perception, understand distance, and then the courage and all of that. I, I think that, that that would that's what I would refer to um, as you know a kind of black genius. You just don't get there. It just doesn't you know fall into your lap. It takes some real, I think, um, as all things do you know, practice, you know, so, yeah. Top five, like hip hop. What's your, what's your top five black geniuses? <laughs> oh, in hip hop? No, 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 no. I'm saying like hip hop style. Like, you know, like they're like your top five rappers. I can't answer that. What I, what, when people ask me that, I say, well, I can't answer that. Um, it only, it only, it only, I only go to like the people that I'm thinking about today, you know, so. I can tell you the people I'm thinking about today, they're not my top five. That's just barely <laughs> landed on the calendar. You know, um, I was thinking about Beverly Buchanan today. Mm -hmm. I was actually thinking um, about um, MacArthur Binion today. I was thinking about, of course, Toni Morrison today. I think about her um, probably most frequently. Thinking about Coltrane today. Um, and only because I was, um, thinking about thinking about him through Alice Coltrane. So Coltrane and Alice Coltrane. Uh, who else was I thinking about today? Oh, I was thinking about Luther Vandross today in my car. Mm. I was thinking about Luther, Luther today. He played, it, it, like for some reason, my Spotify like put Luther on three times. I was like, all right now, hook the sister <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> You popped a Colt 45 and just cruised on down the highway. You know, rapping on that door, you know. So I was like, okay, yes, let's do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I was seeing my Alice Coltrane in the heart. Mm. And um, I don't know enough about how she landed on the harp. So I was like, maybe I should, you know, I should. Oh, that took me to thinking about maybe looking thinking about her autobiography but i just don't know enough about alice Coltrane. so and so actually i, I kind of want to actually go back a little bit because you you actually started your art practice pretty i wouldn't say late but in your in your development of interest later like your last year in undergrad um and then what what were those years like between graduating and then deciding to apply for Yale? Oh, it was great. You know, I went to VCU to do a BFA. 
Um, so I went to with another godmother. So my Betty Parker Smith was my mom's really good friend in Chicago, who was the dean at uh, Tougaloo. So from Tougaloo, I went to Virginia Commonwealth University, where Arlene Jackson was the director of international affairs. So my mother then we were like, okay, well. Auntie Arlene was like, well, why don't we, why don't you invite her to VCU that we have a good art department here. So I went to VCU and studied painting there. Um, but you know, it was, it was great. Like Richmond back then, um, you know, Missy Elliott was coming out. Timberland was really big. Richmond had a really crazy underground hip hop scene. Um, so it was that, you know, it's painting and you know, VCU was not great. It wasn't a great experience, um, but. In what way? Painting. Uh, it was just, you know, when you, I didn't have a great professor um, all around, right? The one good teacher I had, his name was Wolfgang Jasper and it was a drawing class and he was pretty great. Um, and then um, we went, I went on a couple international affairs um, trips with that were great to Panama and Peru, no, to uh, Peru and Guatemala. So those were great. But the in-class time dealing with, I can't remember his name, whatever professor I studied under wasn't a great time. But I learned oil painting, you know, that was significant um, and what it meant to, you know, apply a a really serious level of chemistry to the liquid of painting, the liquidity of painting. So that was good, but you know, the, Richmond was great. I want to stop really quickly and speak a bit about your mother, because your mother is an amazing scholar, um, and particularly with um, ethnic perform, like ethnographic performance and things like this. So it's a, I'm surprised that the the creative bug. Uh, didn't hit you a little bit earlier, growing up in in this in this world. Although performance does take uh, a, a large part of your practice as well. Yeah, no, I mean, my father owned a record store. My mother was. I, I mean, I grew up around all kinds of artists, right? Mm -hmm. I just didn't have. I hadn't figured it out for myself. You know, it was like um, Chicago is a city where like everybody's dope you know what i mean essentially, you know like essentially like you know so and i was raised in a you know really great community it was fantastic you know so it wasn't until tougaloo i was like oh let me be an artist you know so I was living my life, you know, I was around arts. I was going, seeing, not at the museum level, like that mm -hmm. wasn't a part of um, an everyday thing for us, but I majored in, you know, ballet. I was a dancer, you know, early on, went to Chicago Academy of the Arts for a year before I moved to North Carolina, but I hadn't figured out, you know, painting yet. But my mother, you know, she's a scholar and a, artist and you know performance ethnographer who understands both technique invention creativity and methods you know so you know i you know i come from that 
you know, and um, as a little girl, I used to watch her plays and the plays that she would be in, you know. So, yeah, it was not something that I needed to reach for because it was all around me. I just needed to hit the right note. And now being in your practice, do you, can you now see how that links back to the way in which you grew up or does it? Oh, it's all of it. It's yeah, all yeah. of it. It's all, all tied together. <laughs> you know, it's all still in me. It still goes. It's no separation. It's no then and there and that and this. It's just a, all, the, you know, it's all now, right? <laughs> like a all now. Um, so. I love this concept of all now. Um, which makes me think about time, right? And the collapsing of time and the collapsing of time and space. And a lot of your work, for me, when I'm, when I'm looking at it, is that. It is, it, is, it is a layering, a constant layering of multiple times and multiple spaces um, you know, on top of each other. How do you view time and space in your life and then also in your in your practice as if those are two different things <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's good um you know people ask me I, I think um someone else asked me about time I don't think about time a lot in the practice I don't I don't I I don't but I understand why that is a um what is how, how those things are being perceived right i completely understand how those things are being perceived um i think about distance more than i do time so the last maybe three projects i've had really like me trying to get an, me trying to get at or understand distance as of an occurrence that black people have um, a special relationship to. And that is something that I think Horton Spillers talks about in terms of what does it mean to be an enslaved person, a person owned by someone else, your lover, your family be owned, and then those, that person at any time be taken away. So the idea of like closeness and proximity and distance, and then that person be three or four plantations away, or the middle passage as a condition of distance, or you know, the north, the south as a condition of distance. So in the work, I really the layering of the washes sort of give me a foundation of time because it's all a condition of state change, like liquid to solid to, it's all a condition of state change, which in, is inherently something that takes up a, a, a up time. But when the sort of geometry, geometry starts happening and the geometry from, you know, a long history of black people self-emancipating, now I'm thinking about distance and movement and systems and geography and what it means to understand or perceive something far away or close, right? So I think in terms of time, it's, um, to me, it's like the underpainting, 
right? This kinds of thing mm. that is mm. in the, um, you know, condition of existence in a way that I don't understand, right? And I don't know if I'm necessarily um, taken by it, but I am taken by like distance and memory and comprehension and perception. So that kind of toggling of a perception and distance is really, I think black people are very good at. It's like, like how do we hold on to a level of perception when the system itself is saying, not only do you not have, pers not, not only do you ha not have um, a capacity to be human, it's like you also don't have the ability to perceive, you know? Mm. You don't have the ability mm. to um, perceive the things around you, that everything is based on our relation to the primitive. Like there's nothing that has happened besides black people being primitive, black people being noted as material, black people being reduced as material. So all of those things around perception of just, you know, are, are not in the business of, like black perception is, I'll say white, I'll say industrialized white supremacy is not in the business of black perception, right? It's not. So in that, when I think about qualities of perception and the ability to perceive multiple um, conditions under multiple conditions also of sensoria, it's like, and still get away, and still make a baby, and still have a community, and still build a school, and still you know, make music, that's, that's incredible to me um this is what you call ecotone is this who me yeah you've you've mentioned this ecotone maybe i don't know i just <laughs> something <laughs> sometimes i do i do i do name and define things <laughs> i do name things but i don't know about Ecotone. I am in the eco condition. No, in my in, in my research specifically, I believe it was the talk you gave a um, Cooper Union. Oh, you, you spoke, spoke of black, yes, black ecotone, which is which is, I think, from what I understood, this this prior perception, this ability to really investigate and move through uh, almost magic, essentially, like magical movements. Yeah, that's my that's my Mahalia Jackson note. So, <laughs> yeah, so I see I was talking to somebody the other day, and like you listen to Mahalia sing, that's it right there. Yeah, that's it. You know, and I was like telling somebody the spit that comes out of Mahalia's mouth, I could be that spit. You know, I could be that. Can I achieve being <laughs> Mahalia Jackson spit? You know? <laughs> Can I be that destination? But, but you know what I mean. Yes. You know, it, it's like when when that inside is revved up, you know, and the mm -hmm. art and the sound and the whale comes out, so do the liquids in the body, you know? Mm -hmm. That interiority comes out, mm -hmm. you know? That black spit is alive and healing, you know? So... That's where I'm trying to go when I talk about black genius. Like when I when I when I was speaking about time earlier, I was um, 
actually thinking specifically about your um, hypershapes. Is this right? Hypershapes exhibition, um, because it was very much time was a constraint. You know this this idea of of time and space, right? This con contraction of the actual size of the medium, and that you did these repeated mark making you know, in a very specific amount of time, you would not belabor it. And it was very much these repeating patterns, I believe, of like the curve, the right angle. And there's a third one. That's um, um, Cecil Taylor. But it, but it felt so much like, you know, you mentioned Coltrane earlier, you know, jazz, um, improvisation, right? Like how black musicians through improvisation, particularly in jazz, expanded, right? Expanded space and time, right? You have this very set time signature and you have this time to get to this other bar. Yet in this, I am going to extend and reach and flex in a way that actually expands this given time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and that, and that um, exhibition specifically very much had a lot of that jazz element to it, even though it may not have been cognizant. But I think, I mean, you not thinking about time is actually the point because it doesn't exist. It is actually all happening mm -hmm. right now. And even when you spoke about your mother and, you know, your childhood, it's really not so much a then and now or me looking back, but it's all happening right now and I remember I went to your exhibition um, at the gallery in Chelsea with the paintings around um, Henry Box Brown. Oh, Henry Box Brown. Brown. Oh, oh, oh yeah 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 that was yeah. And and even even there it's interesting because I believe that was the first time I met you mm -hmm. and those images are um, or those paintings are actually still in my head and when I look at them in my memory, um, I, for me, I see the time. I see the time of his box tilting this way and that way and yeah. this way and this way. So there is this mark making of time over the distance, right? Over the distance that he had to travel. Mm -hmm. um, and and a lot of, of of your work, and I want to speak about this as well, is 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 how do you think about matter? Mm -hmm. Because when I look also at your work, it feels a lot of it is very stark, you know, dark colors like black and white, you know, maybe some you know hints of things. But this is really the palette. It it feels like it came out of like 2001, A Space Odyssey. Like there's an element of like uh, future, present, past that's happening all at once, which makes me think that there is some, I don't know if I can like assume like a spiritual practice, but there is some relation to matter and the transferable quality of it or the liminal quality of it. Mm -hmm. Could you speak to that a little bit? Mm -hmm. And and also like 
if I if I'm off or if I'm wrong or you know. No, 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 no. I just want to I want to go back and talk about hypershift just for a second. It's a it's a it's a it's a the time is a matter of preparation. And so I started that after this Cecil Taylor quote that I'm just going to read for a second. He says, "Creation is what it's a sorry. Creation is what it's about, not technique. You use technique to make the statement." But the statement must be about what you discover, what you have discovered in your preparation, right? So I'm, I'm acutely aware that when I'm making, it's, it's that practice, it's that preparation. So I can get to that moment of creativity and creation. So in that sense, that's, that's what my faith is, right? My faith exists in that if I do a thing, if I practice a thing, like Mahalia, if I rev up, right, then I can create. So it's not necessarily, um, it's a big question, right? This is a question about being and existence and humanity and perception. And, and I understand that um, the closer I get to really an ancestorship where I honor and see and articulate um, those kind of histories, the, the better I am at participating in the world today um, and making it, or participating in the, the gang of people who are trying to make it a better place, right? So mm -hmm. there's that, like I said, this all nowness in that too, right? So that's the that's the sort of spiritual, you know, if you want to call it spiritual practice or, or condition of belief that if I do this, this thing will come out, right? Because, you know, Ida B. Wells did this, so this thing came out or you know, George Washington Carver did this or that thing came out, or, you know, whomever did this and that thing came out, right? You're talking about, you know, David Driscoll did this and that thing came out, you know? So it's like, what is, what is it, what are the hyper shapes? It's a, it's a system that I've created definitely around black fugitivity. I, absolutely. For lack of a better word, I say black fugitivity, but I have a faith that if I do these things, that these things will come out, you know? So I hope that answers your question. It's Absolutely, yeah. No, really no. Um, a kind of preparation, the studios, all these preparations. So when I hit the painting or I hit the sculpture, there's actually, you feel the creation when you're looking at it, right? And you feel the different, that it's not, a fixed sort of black ontological condition. It's actually all of these other things, right? So, um, yeah, for me, it is about harvesting a kind of history and um, so that I can continue, create, um, add to, have a conversation with, honor, praise, black being, um, black sociality, um, black science, the things that make us still here, you know, um, you know, and, and if I, you know, if I'm, if I'm working there, then, you know, 
I understand like people of color all over the planet, we, we get it. You know, mm -hmm. we like, okay, this is what that is, right? So. And then this idea of matter. Yeah, matter, 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 matter. Oh, that's so true. That's another big question. It's hard. It's really hard for me to answer that because maybe maybe it's not hard for me to answer that. I can answer what I know. Like I'm interested in surface, right? So the paintings and the sculptures always have this kind of surface um, that asks both things, ask you to perceive a certain condition, but understand that that perception has matter attached to it, right? That there's something in the room close to your body, a kind of minimalist condition where it is a shape or a um, object or a condition of um, nowness that really is an activation with the body's immediacy. At the same time, there's a condition of perception. So in that, there's always perspective drawings in the work. So matter, um, as it pertains to the paintings, always for me brings back the corporal, right? So in that way, I can keep the idea of touch and surface and have it have acknowledge attention between matter and um, the things that are immaterial or um, the, the sort of micro conditions where matter is gets in that tricky space um, where you understand matter, but that you don't see it, right? So matter is this kind of question that um, and I never try to make the invisible visible. Like I'm not one of those people, like I'm not trying to make the invisible visible, right? So matter to me in the space of the painting is a real conversation about sensory perception, right? So that's what I think. So the graphite, the beeswax, the paint, all of these things that are, um, about materiality and surface, which I manipulate because I understand the matter that I do perceive around me, um, having always an impact on the body. Mm. And the history in which black bodies have dealt with matter, right? Wood, steel, dirt, you know, ground, you know, um, medicine, technology, you know, just all of these ways in which, you know, we've been dealt with matter and been reduced to matter, you know, um, it's, it's always there in the back of my mind, but. Um, and I, and I know we have to, to go soon. I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, one, one question that I'd like to ask is, you know, in, you know, in your career, in this process, in the becoming, the constant ongoing process of, of becoming, what has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? My biggest failure, my biggest failure. So, and this happened recently and I think I'm so traumatized from it. Um, so part of my practice is I dive. And last, last, a couple months ago, I went to Mexico to um, 
to, to make a dive and I wasn't ready. And I failed to tell my guide that I wasn't ready. Like I needed to practice it. I needed to do some practice. And because I was afraid to speak up and give voice to my lack of preparation for that dive, I did it anyway. And I was unsure um, about my gear. I was unsure about my movement. I was unsure about my buoyancy. And so in that, I caused some unnecessary trauma to myself. Um, I don't think I've ever been that afraid and unprepared. And it could have cost me a lot and it was irresponsible. So I think that was, that was my re a recent big failure that I wasn't prepared. Um, and I was, I was too, I was the only woman. I let all of that shit get into me. So I didn't speak up. So I think that's my most recent failure that I'm still working through. What, what are some of the, the, the lessons that have come up? Be prepared. <laughs> Be prepared. That's it. Be fucking prepared. And understand that, you know, when you're not prepared, don't go. You know, mm -hmm. wait, get yourself prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, really, that that's really it. Like, don't, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not always, you know, sometimes you have to say, you know what, stop the train. I need to get off. You know, um, and to to be prepared and organize my time and you know, um, don't just do something anyway. And and the honor is the preparation. Like it's honor in that preparation. There's no, and I know that. Like I know that there's my mother is very big on like preparation and practice and things like that. So I know that to my bone to get prepared. My father used to take us camping and we used to spend days preparation, you know, so I know what preparation is. And that's, that's just reminded me, you know, just never let up, never, ne never let up in that way. You know, if you know, you're going to do something that may be, that may cost you something, then get prepared to do it, you know, so it doesn't cost you in the way that you don't want it to. So, um, you know, that was very, that was, that was a failure. Like that still haunts me, that decision to go, you know, it was my first cave dive, you know. And um, I can't even remember it because I was so nervous. You know, it's bad, bad, bad business, bad, bad, bad business. Well, there are so many things that I can ask you and you know, I did not get to any of these questions. <laughs> um, we we may just have to do this uh, a, a you know a second time around two, um, but could you please tell us like where people can connect with you, where people can find out more about your work? Um, I have a website. A lot of stuffs on there. Requasedyson um, com is there, and I've got a couple of conversations online that I think people can look up, but. Instagram, yes, I have an Instagram account that that's there. Torquase, I think. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time, and I want to acknowledge 
um, all of the amazing work that you do and and you know also like choosing abstraction and aligning yourself with that amazing tradition particularly amongst black artists you have to get to that that was one of my questions well we will do it we'll have another and next time i can ask you questions <laughs> okay please please ask me questions all right, all right. do, do your thing, thing. All right. Ciao, bye Thank you all so much for tuning in to this enlightening and thought-provoking conversation with the incredible Turquoise Dyson. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends, shout us out over on Instagram at Black Imagination Podcast, and let us know what part of the conversation impacted you the most. When she said, always be prepared, that hit me. I remember when I was an actor, one director told me, if you think you can do it in your sleep, it's going to look like you are. Be sure to subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts, rate and review us on iTunes, and if you're able to support this work, be sure to click the support link in the show notes. That really helps us out so much. Study, practice, and execute. That is the word on today for sure. And remember, Black imagination is liberation. Stay curious and keep dreaming.